All right, Rabbi, say good morning, good morning, a good tevach. Such a schos bar Hashem to begin another week of learning together. Let's begin by thanking all of our sponsors. To so thank our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Kislev. Josh and Becca Friedman for dedicating all the Sherman Joshua's this month in creation of the Yartite of Josh's father, Yisrael Yehuda ben Rav Chaim Rafael. As well as for the safe return of all of our hostages, for our precious soldiers, and an aliyah for the neshama of all of those who died al Kiddush Hashem on Simchas Torah. Sammy Amalka Esterson, in memory of their parents, Hinda Bas Hanech Ephraim, Yitzchok Leib Ben Aaron Akoin, and Sarah Rachel Bas, Avram, Bas Baruch Avram. The Pepper family, in memory of their brother and uncle, Yosef Pepper, Yosef David Ben Yaakov, and. One second. The Steinmetz family, the Steinmetz family, Alan and Allison Steinmetz and family for dedicating the daf in honor of Mr. Steinmetz's birthday, Baruch Hashem, today, Sunday, Sunday, uh, November 26th. Adam, where's Adam? Good. How old? Uh, 35. 35. Incredible, right? Incredible that your father's 35. That's fantastic. <laughs> Mamish. Kislev is the month of miracles. Sabar Hashem, incredible, good. We don't ask. Fantastic. And in honor of uh, in honor of Adam's brother Jason, who began Yevamis on Daf Beis, and Baruch Hashem is part of our virtual shear every single day, and was Zoha Baruch Hashem to complete Seder Nashim. Incredible, incredible. So a Mazel Tov to Mr. Steinmetz, a Mazel Tov to Jason Steinmetz, and Baruch Hashem, the Steinmetz Mishpacha should continue to celebrate incredible milestones of learning for many, many years to come. One more thank you, a very special thank Sorry, just jumping between WhatsApps over here. Okay. And a thank you very much to Elio and Devora Raminfar for dedicating the pastries this morning in memory of Elio's grandmother, Zaman Bas Yosef. We hope that in the merit of the brachas, the Nisham will have an aliyah and the family in Nechama. Well, so with that, let us begin. Incredible, incredible. I'm sorry? Okay, good. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to that. I'm gonna get to that in a little bit. Amir Hashem. Good. So I'll say. So let's 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 begin Amir Hashem on. Let's begin Amir Hashem on Daf Chavdal. Today is Daf twenty four. We are picking up Amir Hashem on Daf Chav Gimel Amud Beis at the Mishnah. So I'll say. So remember again. We say the following: Izu Tam Beizu Muad. Ultimately, again, what is a Tam and what is a Muad? So I'll say. So it's actually interesting that now after going through everything. Emir Tzashem, now we kind of get back to some basic definitions about things. So what is a Tam and what is a Muad? Muad, kol idubo shloshi yamim, ultimately against so a Muad, a Muad halacha lamaisa, is any situation, any, any time where the animal has been warned three times. Now I will say one of the things we're going to talk about is halacha lamaisa, is the warning for the animal or is the warning for the owner? We're going to talk about that in greater depth a little bit later on. So again, kol idubo shloshi yamim, so ultimately, so what is, okay, let me take a step back. So this is Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda's understanding that the way that a muad works is there are three consecutive days of warning, or it doesn't have to be consecutive, but three days of warning. The animal is warned on three different times because the animal has gored someone else. And when does it become a tam? It becomes a tam after it hasn't gored for three days. Now I will say, now, now let's talk about this in just a moment. So Rashi points out there is something very interesting. What does it mean that it hasn't gored for three days? And therefore, again, now it's a tam. So Rashi says, Sheroa shivarim ve'eno nogea choser tamuso. So Rashi says something very interesting. That if there are three days in which it is provoked, but does not respond to provocation, then ultimately it returns back 
to its tam status. So, right? See here what happens over here? It becomes a muad if it gores on three days, on three days, and it becomes a tam if it's provoked, provoked on three days and doesn't respond. Also, which is actually very interesting, also that you could be a muad and then return back to a tam, which shows you that what? If tshuva is possible for a shor, then al-achas kama v'kama, how possible tshuva is for us. If a shor could change, if a shor could change, I certainly could change. This is Rabbi Huda. So that's Rabbi, first of all, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, no, Rabbi Meir, Omer, muad she'idu bo shlosha panim. Rabbi Meir disagrees. Rabbi Meir holds it halacha l'maysa, halacha l'maysa. You don't need the, you don't need the warnings to take place on three separate days. Rather, even if the warnings take place in other words, on three days, in other words, let's say I have an ox that gored three times on one day. Three times on one day, right? So again, we'll say, Rabbi Huda telling me that in order to become Muad, Muad needs three separate occurrences on three separate days. And to become back to, and to revert back to a Tam, you need again three provocations on three different days, and the Shah doesn't respond. The Emir says, agrees with the three times, but all the three times don't have to be on three days. So therefore, again, Allah if you have a shor that's having a bad day and gored three times in one day, that's a muad. That's a muad. I, when does it become a tam? Tam, when does it revert back to being a tam? If kids poke the shore, right, and the shore doesn't gore them, you have to wonder about the parenting that's going on over here. You do have to wonder. Right? So, so, Lamaisa, right? So, again, you know, so, sometimes parents are just desperate to get their kids out of the house, right? Whatever you're going to do, just, just keep yourself busy. Right? So, so Lamaisa, if the kids are like, you know, cheppering the shore, and the shore doesn't do anything to them, so then, again, reverts back to being a tam. So, we'll say, this is our friend, Matamach Logis and Mishnah. So, let's analyze. Says the Gimara. Says the Gemara, both say this. Of course, is a yisodistic idea because this gets to this get. Now, remember, let's let's take a step back. The muad tam designations. What do they apply to? What do they apply to? Yeah. Only Karen. Remember again, every other form of damage, shane, regel, bar, ash. All of those things are muad from the beginning. The only time you have this distinction between muad and tam or tam and muad is specifically by karen, right? By damage done through irregular, aggressive behavior. Okay, so says the Gimar. My time is Rabbi Huda. What's Rabbi Huda's logic? Why does Rabbi Huda hold that it's not just three times, but it's three times on three days? Amr Abaye says, Timol chad mitmol trey shul shom tlasa. So says, Abaye really learns it out from the Pasuk. Right, the pasuk says, "Onoda kishar nagahu mitmol shilshom velo yishmer balashayet." So, therefore, again, the Rebbe Yehuda actually just sees it in the pasuk. Tmol means one, mitmol means two, and shilshom means three. Velo yishmer and So that shows you that again, ultimately, that Allah lemaisa an animal becomes a muad after three occurrences. Velo yishmer and the owner still doesn't watch it. What is that? Show asan the negicha revias. That tells you that from the fourth goring and on, the animal is a muad. So I'll say, what this means, Rabbi Huda's model is as follows. There's, there's two things going on over here. So number one, Rabbi Huda learning out this concept that it's three gorings, it's three gorings, but it's three gorings on three different days. And he learns that from the actual verbiage of the Pasuk. Now what that tells you is three gorings on three days makes the animal a muad. And now from fourth goring and on, the owner will pay nezek shalim, full damages. Good. So I'll say, so remember, this is Abaye's interpretation of Rabbi Huda. 
Rava comes along and Rava says a little bit differently. Rava Amar Tmal Mitmal Chad Shul Shom Trey Velo Yishmerenu Ha'idne Chayev. Now, I both say, Rava disagrees with Abayin, a fundamental point. I actually alluded to this a little bit earlier last week. Rava says, actually, an animal becomes a muad on the third occurrence. See, remember, Rava's, Abayin is explaining over here, Pashab Shat, the way the Mishnah is understood, is that Rabbi Huda is saying, an animal becomes a muad when? After three. So, in other words, the muad status effectively sets in when? When does muad status set in? Well, muad status sets in, the animal becomes a muad, after the third goring. That's when it becomes a muad. But the practical ramifications of being a muad is that you have to pay Nezek Shaling. That only occurs when? Fourth goring. Rava disagrees and Rava says no. When in fact, the animal really becomes a muad after the second goring. And halacha lemaisa, halacha l'ar, should say differently. The animal is a muad by the third goring. And therefore, already again, at the time of the third goring, the animal is a muad and therefore pays Nezek Shaling. Rabbi Meir, my taima, my taima. So what's Rabbi Meir's logic? So remember again, Rabbi Meir holds. So remember, in our Mishnah, Rabbi, neither Rabbi Meir or Rabbi Huda are disagreeing with the fact that you need three gorings in order to become a muad. What they're arguing about is how the three gorings come about. Rabbi Huda is saying three days. Rabbi Meir is saying even three times on one day. So what's Rabbi Meir's logic? This time, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir says, Tap of Chavtal and Madal of 24a, Richek Nigichosav Chayif. Let's say again, if you have an animal that did do three acts of goring over three days, everyone agrees that what? The animal is a muad. Everyone agrees that the animal is a muad. So therefore, kirev nigichos of lakol shekein. So this is actually interesting logic. Rabbi Meir says, if an animal becomes a muad as a result of sustained behavior, it certainly becomes a muad as a result of successive behavior. Right? In other words, one can make the argument that if it happens over three days, maybe they're unrelated. If three times occur in one day, that's a pretty good indicator that what? That Allah said this animal is an aggressive animal. So again, remember, he kind of like flips it on his head. He said, if you can become what? With three nigichos, with three gorings over three days, even though they're spread out, certainly you could become a muad with three gorings in one day. Now, both said, this is important. Rabbi Meir doesn't disagree with Rabbi Huda in that he agrees an animal can become a muad over three days. That definitely could occur. He's just taking it a step further, that it doesn't have to be spaced out over three days. Rather what? It could actually even all occur on one day. On one day. So it says the Gima Amrulei. So they say back to Rabbi Meir, Zavatochiach. We'll say, by the way, it's going to be a good week when you start with Zav, right? It's going to be, yeah, we're back. I just say, watch this. So Zav will show. Zav will show. Remember again, I will say, what's the sky? What's the sky? Zav? Sherecha ka riyoseh, temea, kirva riyoseh. I will say, now remember again, how does a Zav work? A Zav, remember, this is a woman. Remember again, back in our, when did we have recently... Oh, no, we all, Smichas Chavar. Smichas Chavar are doing in Hilchos Nida. So remember again, I will say, just illustrate Zav in a very simple way. Zav, for our purposes this morning, for our purposes this morning, is any woman who experiences an emission that's not menstrual in nature. So if a woman experiences, uh, you know, so whatever, we saw Homachologus Rambam and Rashi about the 7-11 cycle. I mean, we did this in Mesechus Nida, you know, right, the end, the end of last cycle, end of last cycle. So Lemaisa, so Lemaisa, listen to this. So if a woman experiences an emission that's non-menstrual, dur- during, her, during days that she does not expect to become a Nida, that, that, that's called Zivos. How does Zivos work? Very quickly. If she has one emission, she shemeres yom keneged yom. For every day that she sees an emission, she has, to, she has to observe one clean day. If she gets up to three emissions, 
then she has to observe what we call Shivanikim, seven clean days. Now, interesting fact, interesting fact by Zava is if she has, bless you, if she has three emissions in one day, that essentially only counts as one. In order for her to have to observe Shivanikim seven clean days, by the way, just as an aside, if, if you'll see, well, you know, our contemporary observance of Hilchos Nida is actually a blending of the halacha of Nida and Zava Gidola all into one, wrapped into one halachic construct. In any event, if she has three emissions on one day, that only counts as one. And therefore, the next day, all she has to do is count one clean day. In order for, or, in order for her zivos to trigger Shivanikim, she needs three reios. On three days. So they say to Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir, Zava will prove that your logic is wrong. Zava tochiach, Sharicha kariyo setmeya, if, if the, if the emissions span three different days, then she's tmeya shivanikim, kirva riyosa, but if she has three emissions on one day, tahora, then although she has to observe one clean day, she doesn't have to observe seven. So we'll say, so what was Rabbi Meir's whole logic? Rabbi Meir's whole logic is, if an animal could become a muad by three gorings over three days, then what? It certainly could become a muad when it does three gorings in one day. To which the Gemara says, not true. Not true. Look at Zava. Zava only becomes a Zava Gidova with three missions over three days. But if she has three missions in one day, ultimately, again, she's only Shomer Yom Kineged Yom. She only has to observe one clean day. So the Gemara says, Arulahan, no, Zava's different. Hareyu Omer, Zostiet Tumaso Bizovo. So we'll say the Pazik says, this will be his Tumah in his Zivos. Tava Kosov Esazav Bereyos. Now both say, this is, fa- this is actually, this is riveting. One of the interesting distinctions between Zav and Zava, right? Man Zav, woman Zav. The difference is a Zav becomes, becomes a, a right, has the, a Zav becomes, a, a, a Zav enters into the highest level of Tumah just based on emissions independent of days. That's what it means when it says Zav Bereios. Bereios. Ultimately, Arashi says, So we'll say, Zav becomes Tame through three emissions. Whether those emissions occur on one day or multiple days is irrelevant. Is irrelevant. A Zava, emissions are not enough. She also needs those emissions to span over a certain course of days. So the Gemara says, How do you know that Vizos, I will say, is coming to tell you that Zava can't become a Zava Gidol if she has three emissions over one day, but rather she needs days. Maybe he's coming to exclude Zava from Yamim. Or he's coming to tell us that a Zav doesn't need emissions on multiple days, but even multiple emissions on one day make him tame. The Pasik says the Zav is Zavo, it equates a male Zav to a female Zava. Makish Zachar Linikeva. Manikeva biyamim av zachar biyamim. Just like in a keva, just like a Zava, could become Tamea if the emissions span days. So to a Zav, although he doesn't need that, if he has multiple emissions on multiple days, he too will become Tame. In other words, I will say, is, you might have thought that a Zav would only become Tame if he has multiple emissions on one day. Kamash will know that we, Torah equates a man to a woman, just like the woman, if she has emissions over multiple days, she becomes a Zav Gdola. So too, if the Zav has emissions over multiple days, he also becomes Tame. But why not then reverse the comparison? Compare a Zava to a Zav. Just like a Zav 
can become Tamei through multiple emissions on one day. Maybe a woman should be able to become a Zav through multiple emissions on one day as well. To which the Gemara says, Hamiyet Rachmana Vizos. Ultimately, I will say, so there the Torah excludes a Zava based on the word Zos. Zos is an exclusionary word. Umarois, I don't understand. I will say, how do you know what to exclude and what to include? It seems very arbitrary. So what you're telling me right now is you're including the fact that a Zav, a man, can become Tameh from multiple Rios over multiple days. Right? But it can also become Tameh through multiple Rios over one day. But a woman can only become Tameh from multiple Rios, multiple emissions over, spanned over multiple days, but cannot become Tameh from multiple emissions on one day. Why? Based on the word Vizos. Vizos excludes a woman from becoming Tameh through multiple emissions on one day. How do you know that? How do you know? The Marsh is Ma Rois. The Marsh is Mistabra, Kaibirios, Mamaitrios. Because we'll say the Pasik itself is talking about is talking about emissions. So it makes sense that the Pasik that talks about emissions excludes emissions. Kaibirios Mamaitrios. So we'll say the Pasik is talking about the fact that a Zav can become Tame through multiple emissions on one day. The word Vizos is an exclusionary phrase or exclusionary word. And what is it coming to exclude? A woman. That a woman cannot become, a Zava cannot become Tamea from multiple emissions on one day. Rather, for her to become Tamea, she has to become, she has to have multiple emissions over multiple days. Incredible. All right, Jabal said. So now, again, what, what are we left with? Like, I don't know. I'm really not sure. At least the pastries were good. So now remember, here, here's what we have just keep focused. Right? What we have is the Machlokas Rabbi and Rabbi Huda. That's what we're doing over here, right? In other words, we're, we're getting into definitions. What's a Tam? What's a Muad? What's a Tam? What's a Muad? Right? So I'll say, ultimately, again, a Tam, so a Muad, the Gemara is defining Machlokas Rabbi and Rabbi Huda. Rabbi Huda is saying, three times, three days. Three times, three days. Rabbi Meir, even, right? He certainly agrees if it's three times, three days, yes, it becomes a Muad, but even three times, one day. Three times, one day. We just said, Rabbi Huda, where, where do you get your respective positions from? Rabbi Huda gets it from the Pasuk, the wording of the Pasuk itself. Rabbi Meir seems to make a Kavachomer to Zava. Right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rabbi Meir seems to make just an inherent Kavachomer. If sustained behavior, if sustained behavior makes you into a, into a Muad, then what? Certainly, concentrated behavior makes you into a Muad. And what I said, all the Gemara was just doing was poking a hole in that logic from Zava, and that led into this whole discussion about Zivas. Okay, so we're still again locked in this machlok. So it's on Rabbanon. Let's here we go. Ezuhu muad, what's a muad? Kol she'idu bo yamim. Any animal, I will say, any animal that was warned three times. Right now, if you notice, I will say, the Lashon over here is shlosha yamim. Not what? Not what? Not shlosha pamim. Not three times. Three days. I will say, who is that like? Who is that like? That's like Rabbi Huda, right? So, Ezu, Ezu, who, Muad, Koshi, Idabosh, Losh, Yamin. Vitam, we'll say, what's Tam? Shiwa, Tinokos, Mimash, Mishinbo, Veinon, Ogeach, Div, Rabbi Yossi. And a Tana, we'll say, is any animal, again, we'll say, any animal that is prodded or shepherded by children and does not, does not gore them. That's the words of Rabbi Yossi. And I will say, I just understand what that means. Just how, how do these things work in Kasher? Now, remember, I will say, you see a stam animal, stam animal on the, on the street, right? Animal. What's the status of that animal? Status of that animal. Tom. In other words, you're tom until you become a muad. So I'll say, obviously, when we say what is a tom, what that really means is, if an animal was a muad, how does it revert back to being a tom? 
Right? How do you become a Balchuva if you're a Shar? How do you revert back to your original size of being a Dam? To which the Gemara says, if you are prodded and shepherd and you have opportunity to exhibit aggressive behavior, but you don't do so, you don't do so, so that Halach of reverts you back to the status that was there. By the way, I just want to point out, all kidding aside, if you notice, this is the exact model of Tshuva. Right? The Rambam says, the Rambam says, Eizuhu ba- Remember, Rambam Parak Aleph and the Rambam Parak Gimel have two different definitions of Tshuva. In Parak Aleph, in Hilchos Tshuva, the Rambam discusses the mechanics of Tshuva. What do you need in order to do Tshuva? So you have to have Akaras Achet, the recognition of the sin. You have to have, again, charata, remorse. And you have to have kabbalah ala asid, a promise not to do it again. But then in Paragimu, when the Rambam says, Ezuhu bal tshuva gimura. What is a true bal tshuva? What is a true bal tshuva? What does the Gemara say? It's someone who is placed in the same exact situation in which I sinned previously, but now I don't sin again. They will say, that is the epitome of tshuva. You see, I can go through procedural tshuva, which a lot of us do, right? I, I, make, I make a mistake, I make a mistake, and then I go through the steps of spiritual rehabilitation, like we just outlined before. I recognize what I did wrong, I have remorse about what I did, I do tshuva, I do vidui, right? Uh, confession, right? Kabbalah, so I promise to do better in the future. But again, when do you, when do you really become about tshuva? When your resolve to that tshuva process is tested. When you are placed in the same exact situation, and this time you make a different decision, that's about Shiva. So I will say it's incredible. In this model, it's the same idea. How do you know when an animal really becomes a Tom? So in the past, this same animal, when it would be shepherd, right, when it would be challenged, when it would be annoyed, what would it do? What would it do? It would gore. So now the kids are hanging off its horns, right? They're going ahead and shepherding or doing whatever to it, and the animal doesn't do it. And sure, you're literally placed in the same exact situation. And beforehand, you would have been goring like nobody's business, and now you restrain yourself, that's tshuva. That's when the animal ultimately again returns back to being a tam. There we all see. Rabbi Shimon says, Muad, kol she'idbo shlosh Rabbi Shimon says, what's a muad? Anytime the animal was warned three times. So if you notice again, Rabbi Yossi is going like who? He's going like who? Rabbi Meir. Right? Rabbi Yossi is saying ultimately, again, it's not days, it's not days, but rather it's times. Oh, so this is interesting. And I will say it's a little bit of a hybrid over here. Rabbi Yossi says, Rabbi Yossi says that in order for an animal, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Rabbi Shimon, thank you. Rabbi Shimon says, So this is actually very interesting. So Rabbi Shimon comes along and says, in order to become a muad, three occurrences. It doesn't matter if the occurrences occur on three days or one day or two days. It makes no difference. Three occurrences. So where do days play a role? Play, days play a role in your restoration to Tam status. Look at Rashi, we'll say, El Lechazara, Shemchazar la'achara adaso, Shloshi yamim, Sheroa shvarim velo nagach, Choz tamuso. This is incredible. Shimon says, if the Shar, after having been a Muad, encountered other shvarim, encountered other oxen, and played nicely in the sandbox, right? Did not gore any oxen for three days. Now, both say, now remember, the only time that makes a difference that they didn't gore for three days is when? When they had the opportunity to gore, right? If they, were, if they encountered other oxen and didn't gore on three, for three days, then they returned back to 
their time status. So Rabbi Shimon, interestingly enough, Rabbi Osei, is a little bit of like a hybrid model. Amrav Nachman, Amrav Adabar Abba, Halacha Krabi Yehuda B'Mu'ad. The Halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda B'Mu'ad. Namely, that in order for an animal to become a Mu'ad, what has to happen? Three days. Three days. Not three occurrences, three days. Shai Rabbi Yossi Modelo, because Rabbi Yossi agreed with Rabbi Yehuda. Halacha Krabi Meir B'Tam. And the Halacha is like Rabbi Meir B'Tam. That ultimately, again, that an animal reverts back to its time status. When? When the kids chepper it and it doesn't do anything. Why? Ultimately, again, because Rabbi agrees with him. So why don't you just say that Allah Khafal Rabbi Meir by Muad after Sha Rabbi Shimon Modelo, because Rabbi Shimon agrees with him. And Allah be Shimon Rabbi Hud by Tam, because Rabbi Shimon agrees with him. I hold the Krabiosi. Why do I hold the Krabiosi? You will say Drabiosi Nimuko Imo. So we'll say, so remember again, this is a quotation, we had this in Gittin. Rabbi Yossi, the halacha almost always follows Rabbi Yossi. Why? Because whenever Rabbi Yossi weighs in, Nimuko and Nimuko Imo, Tamav Yosef Imo. Whenever Rabbi Yossi espoused an opinion, he was always able to back up that opinion with reliable sources. That's the of Rashi. Tamav, his reasoning, Yosef, and his proofs, Imo, were always with him. But it's a very profound idea. You know, a lot of times in life, People espouse opinions and ideologies and ideologies that are ill-informed. Well, so, you know, I, I remember last week. I don't remember where, what it was. I have to, but somebody was interviewing one of these one of these um, college students who was who was rallying, you know, for pro-Palestinian rally, and he went over to this to this young woman who, of course, they all wear masks. It's it's incredible. It's so, such cowardice. It's such cowardice. And if you believe in something, show your face. If you don't want to show your face, it means you're, you're, you're a zero. You're a nothing. So, so it's interesting. So he asked this young woman, tell me, you know, you're chanting from the river to the sea. Just out of curiosity, which river and sea are you referring to? Just want to know. And it was, and it was, it was, it was the most incredible thing to see. Obviously, she has, she has no idea what she's talking about. She, but she got combative. You know, you know, why are you asking me? See, in life, in life, if you, if you want to rally for a cause, okay, go ahead, rally for a cause, whatever, if you believe in it. We all are entitled to have our respective beliefs. But whatever you're going to believe in, make sure you can back it up. Whatever you're going to espouse, make sure that it's rooted in something real. If you are going to promote something, then make sure you are truly able to stand behind it. You know why? Because Rabbi Yossi never rolled in and just started you know, espousing opinions. Rather, whatever he would say, he would be able to go ahead and back up with concrete proofs and concrete information. Incredible. So Gemara says, So let's analyze this. So let's pause here for just a second. Let's pause here. So how do we pass it? Because now we're going to get into something else in just a moment. So how do we pass it? Because this is like a sodistic idea what is a muad? So the Rambam in Hilchos Niske Mamen, Perek Vav Halacha Aleph says as follows: Ezehu muad. Now we'll say, what is a muad? Here it is. What's the definition? Is it Rabbi Huda three days? Is it Rabbi Meir three times? Here we go. Kol sheidu bo shlosha yamin. We pass like Rabbi Huda. Then, in order to become a muad, ultimately again, ultimately again, it has to be three occurrences on three days. Avo. If the animal kicks, bites, you know, gores three times in one day, 
It's not a muad. It's not a muad. We'll say it's not a muad. We'll say there's a tremendous Musa Haskell in this. What's the tremendous Musa Haskell? So you just said it. Everyone has a bad day. Everyone has a bad day. I will say there are times in life where just I say things, I do things. I will say, you know, sometimes you could verbally gore a person also, right? And sometimes you could behave in ways that are just so profoundly destructive. Everybody has an off day. And this is incredibly important, but having an off day doesn't make me a muad. Having an off day doesn't mean that this is who I am. Having an off day just means we're human beings. And I will say, this is such an such a important thing in relationships and how we judge others. You know, sometimes you see someone and they do something terrible. And often what we do is based on that terrible thing, we kind of paint this entire picture of their personality. It's important to understand that Allah is telling us people sometimes are off. They're off their game. They're having a bad day. Relationships in marriage with children, with parents, people have low points. But don't judge people based on those low points. Don't create almost like a character picture based on those low points. You only become a muad after sustained behavior. Okay, you act a certain way over a sustained amount of time, then yes, that is who you are. Then you are a muad. But sometimes I both say, unfortunately, we just do things that we're not proud of in a one-off situation, even if it's multiple times on that one day, but that doesn't create a true picture of who and what we are. It's important to always understand, sometimes we have a bad day, just like we know for ourselves that we have a bad day, we have to be down the kafsuchus and give others a little bit of latitude and a little, a, little, a little bit of space to have their bad days as well. Incredible. Let's go right there. Says the Gemari, Bailuhu, Amar Bailuhu, Shloshi Yamim, Diktani. We'll say these three days, these three days that we mentioned, Liya Udi Tura, Liya Udi Gavra. So this is very interesting, I will say. Ultimately, again, is, is it to warn the ox or is it to warn the master? I say, isn't that interesting? So in other words, who, obviously, from the liability perspective, it's for, it's the master is obligated. But the shayla is, when we talk about the warning, right? A muad is someone, someone who is, like, like, in other words, they're, they're warned, they're set. Who is the warning for, right? In other words, who, who is this directed to? Is it directed to the ox or is it directed to the owner? So the Gemara says, Rashi, look at Rashi this moment. So, we'll say, so let's analyze this. So the Gemara says, So what does it matter? Here we, here's why it matters. We'll say, imagine, by the way, three sets of witnesses show up on one day. Right? Three sets of witnesses. Right? Three groups, A, B, and C, all show up on the same thing. And I will say, obviously, each of them, each of them witnessed a separate act of goring. So what's the halacha? So, if at the end of the day we say that it's to go ahead and warn the, warn the ox, so to speak, then that works. Then three witnesses on one day works because now the ox is designated as muad. The amritli ude gavra. I will say, but if it's about warning the owner, then lo miyayid. Then that shouldn't work. Why? Meima amr hashdohu become a sadubi. I will say, listen to this. The owner of the ox could say, listen. The way this is supposed to work is how you're supposed to right. Somebody's supposed to tell me that my ox is goring. That gives me time to increase my shmira, my guarding of my ox. All three of you guys showed up and one day it is unfair to label my ox as a muad when what? When what? When I've just found out for the first time today what my ox is. You know what it's like? You know, it's, it's, if you've ever, if you've ever 
had a child who received a failing grade in school, right? And again, if the teacher did not do their job in communicating to you over the course, why, why didn't you tell me? Right? My kid didn't do well. I'm sorry my kid didn't do well. My kid misbehaved. Tell, tell me, communicate, right? Without communication, without communication, I can't know what's going on. So the owner of the shore says, look, all three of you guys, one through three are showing up on the same exact day. So Lamaisa, so Lamaisa, how was I supposed to take precautionary measures when no one ever told me that? You know what I'm saying? This is also an incredible, so much impact into this Gemara. In life, you only know what you know. In other words, let's say, and this is so important also, sometimes people who we love are doing things that are detrimental and negative and destructive. And we think that they should figure it out on their own what it is that they're doing. Sometimes people have to be told what they're doing is wrong and the corrective steps they need to take. But if you don't share it with them, they'll never know. People only know what they know. So the Baal Ashar says, I'm sappy you guys showed up, but don't make me a mu'at today. I just found out for the first time. So that's not Camino. So my, so we'll say, what's the halacha? Ultimately, again, who is the ha'ada? Who is the mu'ad status for? So Tashma, this is actually interesting. In general, a shark can only become a mu'ad if the witnesses testify in the presence of Beisdin and in the presence, ultimately, again, of the owner of the shar. If ultimately, again, they went ahead and they testified in front of Beisdin, the witnesses, but the owner wasn't there, or in front of the owner, but not in front of Beisdin. So we'll say, that's Talacha. That's Talacha. You can only go ahead and make an animal of Muad if both the owner and the Beisdin are present. Ushnaim, Sigmar says as follows. Hey, duo, Shnaim, Shnaim Berishona. Ushnaim Bishnia. Ushnaim Bishlisha. So, we'll say, so, okay, let's take a case. There are three different sets of witnesses. Set one, right? right first group testified about the first goring. Second set testified about the second goring. Third set testified about the third goring. So, we'll say, what's that, Locha? The Hain, so Harikan, Shalosh Edios. So, we'll say, ultimately, again, they are considered to be, they are considered to be, Three different groups. So on one hand, they're looked at as three independent groups of witnesses. In other words, they're not looked at as one cohesive group. However, so this is very interesting. So, they are, so on one hand, they're considered to be three separate groups. So what does that mean? So Rashi points out over here, concept from Marcus. In general, you have a concept that when you have a testimonial unit, when you go ahead and invalidate one part of the testimonial unit, the entire unit is void. So on one hand, these three groups of witnesses are all considered to be separate and distinct. On the other hand, they are like a shtickle group. Why? Why? Because their combined testimony does what? Their combined testimony goes ahead and makes the animal a muad. Right, you, you, hear, you hear this distinction? On one hand, they're independent testimonial units. On the other hand, they have combined testimony that is incredibly relevant for, incredibly relevant for the muad status of the animal. So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, Therefore, I will say, for hazama purposes, they are considered, remember, hazama is the reciprocal punishment that false witnesses get. For hazama, they are considered to be one testimonial unit. What does this mean? For example, nimseis, so we'll say, let's say the first set of witnesses are, considered, are found to be Eidun Zomim. We'll say, remember again, a lot going on in the staff today. How do you become an Eidun Zomim? How do you become an Eidun Zomim? Right? Reuven and Shimon show up and they say, we saw Levi kill Yehuda. Right? We'll say, what happens? What happens? How do they become Zomim? Someone else comes along and says, another set of witnesses says to Reuven and Shimon, Reuven and Shimon, 
maybe, maybe who killed him? Maybe Levi did kill Yehuda. Maybe he did, right? But Lamaisa, you for sure didn't see it. Why not? You are with us. That's what it means. In other words, Edim Zomen or Edim are discredited, not because the event didn't occur, right? But because the witnesses could not have seen what they claimed to have seen because they were not at the site of the event when the supposed event occurred. So watch this. So in this case, we're supposed to remember again. So now let's say set, set number one of witnesses become Edim Zomamin. They could not have seen Ruven's, Ruven's Shar, Gor Shimon's Shar. So what happens? So group one is removed, but there's still groups two and three are still intact. Right? What's that? So ultimately, again, both say, so the owner of the ox is Pater. And what that means, Pater is, he doesn't have to pay Nezek Shalom complete damages. He's still Chayev Chatsi Nezek because this is still a case of Karen Tam. If the second set of witnesses are found to be Edim Zomin, so therefore set number two is taken off. So still group number one is still left. So the owner of the ox still is Pater. In other words, he still has to only pay half Nezek because it's Karen Tam. And the other and the witness also Pater. Ah, I will say now, what happens if the third set of witnesses were found to be Edim Zomin? Then what? Kulan Chayavin. It's fascinating. We'll say, then, not getting into the mechanics of this now, but now we'll say, all three of those groups now are looked at one unit for Edom Zolmin. And what do they have to pay? They have to pay back to Ruvain Nezek Shalim. They have to pay back to Ruvain the complete damages that they were trying to make him pay, ultimately again by making his animal a muad. Fascinating. And I will say, that's the reciprocal punishment of Edom Zolmin. So we'll say, it's fascinating, right? In other words, so on one hand, we look at them as separate testimonial units. Therefore, when one of them is made into a zomin, the other two are still intact. But once all of them are, have been made Edom Zomin, then what I will say, we combine them for punishment for punitive purposes as one testimonial unit, and they have to pay Nezek Shalim, complete damages to Ruvain, the owner of the ox, because that's what they wanted to get him to do. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Iamrit, Shapir. If you say that ultimately, again, when we make an animal a muad, who are we making a muad? The ox. Then this case makes sense. But I will say, if it's about making, right? So in other words, if we say that the warning, right? The testimonial warning is for the ox, not for the owner, then these cases make sense. However, if we're talking about that the warning itself, right? The warning itself is there to make the owner a muad, then Lemru, then the witnesses could say Lemru Hanach Kamai Anan Mihavi Adinan the Basar Shloshi Yomi Asu Hanim Miyadilu. So the first set of witnesses could say, "Listen, we showed up on day one. We had no idea who was coming on day two or day three. So why should we be wrapped up with them? Why should we wrap?" Because we'll say, "Remember again, if you hold that the warning, right, that the warning is for, to make the animal a muad." Then Rabbi said, remember again, this could be a case of all three witnesses showing up on the same day. Actually, the last words in Rashi and Amad Aleph are, right? Then it makes sense that all three of these witnesses are showing up, all three of these testimonial units are showing up on the same exact day. And they're all testifying. One is testifying about goring one, second goring two, second goring three. Then Rabbi says, they're all showing up on the same day. And then once they're all proven to be Zomamin, then what? Then we could slap them with Nezek Shalim, figuratively, monetarily. They slap them with Nezek Shalim penalty. 
But I will say, but if the witnesses are showing up on three separate days, which would have to be occurring if, if making a muad is making the owner muad, because it's not fair, you can't make the owner muad on one day. So if the witnesses are showing up on three consecutive days, then how can you make them one cohesive unit for Azama purposes? The first set could say, listen, we showed up on Sunday. We had no idea who was showing up on Monday or Tuesday. So how can you lump us together with them? Third line of both sides. I said this over before Rav Kahano, right? Ultimately, does this even work to even make the ox? So to what? After all, Leim Ruhanach Basrai, Anan Minayadinan Dachol Kikai Beidina Lasude Betura Kaasu, Anlechayikavar Palgoniska Sinan. So again, I will say, even if you hold it all showing up on the same day, the Messiah will say, you know, when you walk into court, right, and there are people assembled in Beisdin, you don't know why other people are there. So the first set of witnesses could say, listen, we were just showing up because we saw Ruvain's Shar Gor Shimon Shar. And as far as we were concerned, all we were coming to do was to make Ruvain Chayiv in half damages. In half damages, we didn't know that all in the same basin was a second set of witnesses and a third set of witnesses, and that combined, we would make them. Well, we had no idea. To which the Gemara says, what's the case? The Kamaramzi Ramuzi. Those are the cases where we see these three units in Beis, and what are they doing? They're gesturing to each other. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we see there's some type of collusion going on. Ravashi Amar, where they came into Beisdin one after the other. Ravina says it's a case of where they know the owner of the ox, but they don't, can't recognize which ox it is. You can't recognize which ox it is. If you don't know which ox it is, so how can you make it muad? Where they want to say to Reuven, the owner of the ox, listen, we can't identify which ox, but we know it's one of your oxen. You better establish heightened guarding protocols for your entire, not flock, uh, Herd for your entire herd. Okay, so what's that good? So let's pause here. So what's that? So what's halacha? What's halacha? So when we warn, when ultimately again, when we are going ahead and giving this warning, the shlosha yamim, is it to go ahead and warn the ox or warn the owner? So Rabbi say we see based on the Rambam, based on the Rambam, you're really warning the owner because that's because again, remember again, we'll say if it was about warning the ox, it was about warning the ox. Then what? You should be able to establish a muad status even when three times in one day. The fact that you need three days indicates to us that Allah the Mu'ad warned, right? The warnings are not for the ox. The warnings are for the owner. So that the owner, after hearing that his ox scored the first time, then what? Then what? He could take the necessary precautions to ensure that this ox doesn't gore anymore. So really, again, the, the warnings themselves are directed ultimately again towards the owner, and therefore the Rama Paskins again it's Shloshi Yamim three separate days. Incredible. Ibailu. Let's go right. There's there's a lot more uh Okay, uh, let's go a little bit. There's a lot more to say on this, but let's go right. It says the Gimar Ibailu. Rose, we actually had this case a little bit yesterday, and we're gonna delve a little bit more into it. Hamishase Kabo Shahavero, Bechavero. So Rose, now watch this. I go ahead and I incite my friend's dog. Right, so again, Ruven has a dog. Ruven has a dog. I go ahead, I go ahead and I incite the dog. And then the dog goes and bites someone. Right, so Ruven's dog goes and injures uh, Shimon. Right, so I'm going to say, so now, Mahu, what's that? Meshasa vada Potter. 
So I'm say the Mishasa, the insider is Pater. I'm say, now why is the insider Pater? Grama Benazikin. This was yesterday's daf. I'm say, remember again, in Halacha, in Halacha, causation, causation is Pater. Right? So if you go ahead and you, you incite the dog and the dog bites someone else, you are Pater. Baal Kelev Mai. I'm say, what about the owner of the dog? What about the owner of the dog? So So on one hand, on one hand, maybe the owner of the dog can say, listen, what do you want from me? I didn't do anything. Right? Someone else incited my dog. Someone else incited my dog. It's not my fault. Oh, or you could say, listen, you know that you have an excitable dog. Right? So since you have an excitable dog, why do you have such an animal in your possession? Huh, huh, right, incredible. Who would have thunk it, right? Yeah, it's an animal and it's excitable. And I, I, right, the animal only bites when you get too close to it. What, what does that mean? What does that mean, the animal only bites when you get too close to it? People generally get close to one another, right? So if the animal bites when it gets close to it, pastos don't have a mazik in your rishos. So I'll say, so that's the shayla, that's the shayla. So who is chayv over here? The insider, the insider, or ultimately again, or ultimately again, the owner of the dog. Amr Abizera, Tashma, Vitam, so I'll say, let's go back. So Gemara actually tries to resolve this, tries to resolve this from the, from the, by the way, I just, I just want to point out, I did, I did, I, I get varied feedback on my dog comments. But I, I just want to go on record as thanking Dr. Julie Blumenfeld for reaching out to me personally, telling me that she's very supportive of my dog stances. So I just want to, again, she's been the lone voice. It's been a bit, it's, it's a little bit lonely. It's a little bit lonely on this perch upon which I sit. But, uh, but, but, but I do, I do want to thank Dr. Blumenfeld for her support. So I'm going to say this, I'm Tashma. So remember again, so the Mishnah said, the Mishnah said as follows. So let's go back. Remember again, what's about the Mishnah? So we had a discussion about how does an animal revert back to its Tam status? In other words, after the animal, after the animal ultimately is established as a Tam, how does the animal become a Muad again? So the Gemara answered, the Gemara answered, when the children are cheppering it and it doesn't gore. So in other words, when, when it's being bothered, when it's being bothered, but it doesn't respond, ultimately, again, that's called a tam. That's called a tam. I wanna, if, we, if we have time, I want to come back and highlight one piece about that. So the says, what's that halacha? Hanogeach chayiv. Now I will say, what you see over here is that halacha lemaisa, what if that ox were to chasham gore one of those children? So what do you see? What do you see? That ultimately, again, the owner of the ox would be chayiv. Now, say, now what is that a case of? What is that a case of? That's a case of mishasa. Right, that's a case of inciting. Remember again, Abosai, the kids are bothering the ox, right? They're bothering the ox. And yet you see that even though they're bothering the ox, the owner of the ox is Chayef. So you see from here that Meshasa Asakelev, when you incite a dog, the owner of the dog is Chayef for those damages. Well, maybe not. Mikatani Naga Chayef. Ultimately, again, does it say that if it gored, you'd be Chayef? Dilma Hanagach Lohavitam. Maybe if the animal gored, ultimately, again, the owner wouldn't be chayif, because halach again, it wasn't cited, but rather it's just saying it's not a tam. It's not a tam. So obviously, if it's goring, it's not a tam. But maybe the owner would not be chayif. But maybe, again, since someone else was inciting the animal, maybe the owner of the animal is not chayif. So the boss said, a bit more. Tashma. If you incite the dog or you incite the snake, potter. Ultimately, again, you're potter. 
My love, so we'll say, what does that mean? My love, Pater Meshasa, the Chai Bal Kelev, doesn't that mean that the, the inciter, the inciter is Chayiv? I'm sorry, the inciter is Pater, but the owner of the animal is Chayiv. So, lo, Eima, Pater Af Meshasa. Well, maybe it means like this. Maybe not only is the owner of the dog or the owner of the snake Pater, because they didn't do anything, but even the inciter is Pater. Amarabo. So we'll say, so Rav says like this. Now we'll say, now in general, in general, the Gemara says, we're going to talk about this. Let's say you want to take the approach. See, it's interesting, I will say, the Gemara seems to take it for granted that the insider is always potter. Now why is that? Why is the insider, now again, we'll see how Lachal said whether or not that's true. But why does the Gemara take it for granted that the insider will be potter? Why? Because Grama ben Ezekin, it's causation. It's causation. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything. Or the act of inciting is not, is not a maisa. So the is like this, is incredible. Even if you want to say that if, you, if I go over to Ruven's dog and I incite it and it bites Shimon, that I the inciter for sure am putter. Let's, let's, let's accept that premise for a moment. Well, that's Allah of we'll see. Listen to this. I'm, um, I'm sorry. I will say, if, if ultimately again, if Allah of even, sorry, I was just saying it wrong. If we accept the premise that when you incite the dog to go ahead and hurt someone else, let's say you are chayif. She sohu ba'atzmo potter. So I will say, this is interesting. If ultimately, again, listen to this. She sohu ba'atzmo. If ultimately, again, I will say, if I go ahead and... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me say this once more. Let me be clear. Even if you accept the premise that I'm a shasa kabul shechavero bechavero chayif. That if I incite the dog of Ruvain, and the dog of Ruvain bites Shimon, that Ruvain, the owner of the dog, is Chayif. Okay? That's because remember, the Gemara is accepting it as a fact that the Mishasa, the inciter, is Pater because it's Grama. So let's say now we accept the premise that the owner of the dog is Chayif. Watch this case of Osei. Shisob say, let's say I incite Ruvain's dog, and the dog bites me. The dog bites me, Pater. In that case, everyone agrees that what? Ruvain will be Pater. Why? My timer. Kalamishana Uba'akhabishina Ba Pater. We actually had this concept before. Because the general Bosai, when you engage, when you engage in behavior that is an aberration from the norm, and as a result, you are damaged as a result of your behavior, you are you are not entitled to receive any kind of damages. Rabosei, where do we see this? We had this before. If you have two cows in a shesarabim, one of them is squatting. In other words, it's standing in place. It's squatting, standing in place. And the other one ultimately again is walking. And ultimately, so remember, an animal squatting in a shesarabim, that is an aberration. That is abnormal behavior. Animals don't squat, they move in Rosh Hashanah. So now one of the animals squatted, one of the animals is walking. And what happened? And the walking animal kicks the squatting animal, Pitura. Ultimately, again, the animal, the kicking animal, the aggressor, is Pater. Now why is the kicker Pater? Why? Because remember again, this is the concept. If you engage in behavior that is an aberration from the norm, and as a result of your aberration behavior, you are injured, you're not entitled to damages. So because the owner ultimately, again, of the cow that's squatting, that's abnormal. So because that's abnormal, if you get damaged because of something abnormal you did, you're not entitled to damages. On the other hand, 
as the Gemara says, Revutza b'malachas, if the squatting animal goes ahead and kicks the walking animal, then ultimately again there is schiyuf. Then chayeves. Why chayeves, Rabosai? Why chayeves? Because that's kerentam. That's kerentam. So Sotz Rabosai, the Gemara wants to suggest that if I incite the dog, which is a shina, which is an aberration of behavior, and the dog bites me, sorry, Sorry, you can't get any damages for that because ultimately, again, you, engra- you engage in Mishunadika behavior. You engage in different kind of behavior. Therefore, ultimately, again, you're not liable to damages. Amr he responded, the truth is, The truth is, he responded, the truth is, in that case of, this, of the squatting animal, I still hold that the kicker is going to be chayiv. Why? What do you have Rishus to do? You have Rishus to trample on me. But to kick me, ultimately, again, you have no Rishus. So just interesting. So we're going to get to the Meshasa case tomorrow. But I just want to point out, how do we pass in terms of Tam? We've established how we pass in terms of Muad. How do we pass in terms of Tam? So listen to this. Here's the halacha. Behema shehuada. The Chazra Ba, so we'll say, if you have an animal that is a Muad, this is Ramam Hilchos Niske Maman Halachazayim. So we've already established in order to become a Muad three times, three days. How do you become, how do you go back to being a Tam after you've been a Muad? Shoshua Ligach, the Chazra Shaligach, Afabishu Nogev, Hazkume Ema Sayu Chazaraso, Adshua Tinokos, Memash Mishinbo, Ve'enu Nogeach. So we'll say, so literally, the Ramam adopts the position actually of of Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir Rabbi Yossi, right, that ultimately, again, how do you become a tam? If literally, again, your shepherd, kids are hanging off your horns, right, and, or bothering you, or poking you, and you don't respond, you don't respond, ultimately, again, you've reverted back to being a tam. Rabbi I'll just end off, there's a tremendous Musra Haskell in that as well, which is Rabbi Yossi, what, what are we asking? How do you become a tam? I will say, now remember, a tam, what does it mean to be a tam? Who was a tam? Yaakov Ish Tam Yoshev Orlin. I will say, to be a tam, to be a tam, you see, sometimes we think about the tam, like by the Arba Bonin, by the four sons, by the Haggadah. I will say, so sometimes to be a tam, to be a tam, you know, we look at it as like a negative thing. But Torah calls Yaakov, you know, Ish Tam Yoshev Orlin. So I will say, we aspire to be a tam. How do you become a tam? And remember again, tam also means like tamimos, like a complete individual. It doesn't, just, it doesn't mean simple. It means complete. How do you become a complete individual? Well, so you know what the secret to completion is? One of the pieces is to prevent yourself from being easily provoked. It is so easy to be drawn into machlokas. It is so easy to be drawn into negativity, right? This one pokes you. This one prods you. This one's hanging off your horn. You don't like what this one said. You don't like what this dream said. You don't like what this Rosh Hashiva said. You don't like this. You don't like that. It's so easy to be provoked. It's so easy to be drawn into Machlokas. It's so easy to go ahead and say, okay, let's go. Let's gore. But what does it mean to be a Tam? What does it mean to be a Yaakov, Ish Tam, Yoshev, Olin? It means, like the Mishnah says, it means to be the kind of person. It's my time's up. It means to be the kind of person. It means to be the kind of person, of Osai, who even when provoked, and even when something is done that you don't like, or something is said that you don't like, you exercise the muscle of self-restraint. And you hold yourself together. Because you realize that Achtos is more important than advancing your agenda. And being Bishalom so much more important than getting your point across. 
to be a tam ultimately means to know the art of self-restraint. And even when poked, and even when prodded, and even when provoked, at the end of the day, you hold it together. And I will say, this is what we start to another week of incredible things for clients where we begin to see the trickle of the hostages coming out of Eretz Yisrael. Like Alan mentioned before, you know, we, we dedicate our learning every single morning to Master Sergeant Eliyahu Michal Harush, who Daral Kiddush Hashem, protecting the Jews of Sterot. Jews have Daral Kiddush Hashem. We need our Shuyim to come home and we have to do our part as well. And if we could exercise, if we could aspire to become that time, that Yaakov each time Yoshev Olim. How? Because even at you, Tinogos Mashmashinbo, to refrain from Machlokas, to devote all of our energies to Achdos, even when at the end of the day we are provoked by things we find as upsetting as offensive. That's the greatest Sukhos right now, to keep Klal Yisrael together, that we could provide for our brothers and sisters in Eretz So it should be a week of Aliyah, a week of Besaros Tovos, a week of reunification of families, and Halavai, a week of success, victory, and Geula for Klal Yisrael. Amen. Amen.